This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680-CJOB. Mike check, Jim Toth, you there? I'm here, Cameron Poitras. I'm here. I'm here. You're here, we're here. We're all here. Perfect. It's a new year. 2023. It's a new great dawn of a new era where we're both... Yep. Out of upper body injury, day-to-day status, and, and here. And we may enter the misery of the year, January and February. There's absolutely nothing to look forward to unless you're heading off to Mexico or some, or somewhere down south for Who a few weeks. Who would do weeks. that? What person would head down? Oh, Kelly Moore. Oh, oh. Mr. Mexico. <laughs> As um, he's known around these parts. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm heading to Florida in April. So that's when I'm, I'm, I'm heading off. But that's April. A little too, that's that's a little playoff too time. Yeah, I know. Oh. It just happened that way. I bet it did. You think I want to miss the playoffs? That's prime time, I think baby. you thought they weren't going to make the playoffs. That's what I think. And hey, I think hey, you went and booked ahead. This I think was you a, got yourself a deal. And I think you're going to Florida. It's a Black Friday deal. Mom wanted to take the whole family to Florida. Um, it's just what happened, unfortunately. Like you'll have to be you'll the be whole family is an extended non-family blood relation. No, no, like just the, like are we doing the show from FLA? Well, Jim, this was gonna be that was gonna be like I was gonna do this off air, but that was I was gonna that was you're gonna be your present, oh, your New nice. Year's present. Thank you, because you were coming with us. Thanks, anyway. mom. Um, pre-game show starts at five. Puck drop at seven. Here, the Winnipeg Jets hosting the Calgary Flames uh, tonight at, of course, at Canada Life Center. Um, lots of uh, injury news. Lots of injury reports. We'll have the latest on that um, in a little bit. Here, you have to stick around. There, I mean, Cole Perfetti, Nick Ehlers, um, Saku Minalainen, Blake Wheeler, Nate Schmidt. How close are those guys to be returning? We'll get to that in just a little bit. Text the show 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. Who was on the ice for that optional skate? Get to that in just a second. But Mark Stephen, Hall of Fame Calgary broadcaster, as well as voice of the Stampeders on CHQR, sister station in Calgary, joins us. Mark, how you doing, man? Well, wonderful. Uh, beyond flattered to be your first guest of the year. So uh, happy new year to you guys. Hall of Famer the right out of the gate, Mark. Thanks for being here. <laughs> That's absolutely right. So the yeah. no, it's uh, great, and uh, you know the calendar turns, and away we go uh, into the playoffs. And uh, who knows how deep these teams will go into the playoffs? But I guess that's what we'll be watching over the next few months, right? Yeah, a lot still to be determined with the Calgary Flames. It's a team that's still up in the air, and of course, I think there's been a lot of adjustments being made there. And that was the first question I want to ask you, Mark. I mean, besides personnel, I mean, which was obviously the big swing in the off season, the, probably the biggest change was with the Calgary Flames. Um, I mean, I'm not going to act like the team isn't doing well. They're right now third in the Pacific. They're five and one and one over their last seven games here. But what's been the biggest change? Because there hasn't been that big boost of, uh, you know, that great defensive style of play, that big uh, boost of offense. I mean, I'm just looking at like Matthew Kachuk and, and, and Johnny Gaudreau and the numbers with Elias Lindholm and the plus minuses that they were holding up. What's besides the personnel? What's been the biggest sort of shift, maybe in mentality, style, that sort of thing that that change that's changed the Calgary Flames? from this season from last. Well, first of all, you're right. It's been a pretty choppy first half of the season. I mean, they, I can't say they've been awful, although they yeah. have had awful moments, but they've been pretty good. They are in the playoffs today, but they have been out of the playoffs at different times as well. The biggest thing is uh, you mentioned personnel and you mentioned style. 
they had one of the great lines in the NHL in recent times last year with Goudreau, Lindholm, and Kachuk. Two-thirds of that line is gone. They have really struggled to establish first-line chemistry. Uh, you know, it hasn't worked out to date anyway for Jonathan Huberdeau, who was the centerpiece of the Kachuk trade. They've got Dylan Dubé on the first line. He's picked it up of late, but he had a pretty slow start. Lindholm's had a, a very, very good season, and Tyler Toffoli has picked it up lately as well. So they've had, you know, a real trouble uh, replacing that top line and getting that kind of production. I guess that was to be expected, and that's uh, sort of one of the issues that surrounded the team throughout the first half of this season. They're going to have to figure it out some way. I mean, Huberto's not going anywhere anytime soon. Oh, I agree. I mean, he's playing the last year of his Florida contract, then a whole bunch of more years, eight more years with the Calgary Flames. Yeah, he would better get it figured out pretty quick because right now he's at 25 points. That's, a, you know, a 55-point pace. That's not what they paid him for. That's what they brought him in for. And, uh, you know, he he better pick it up. I'm with you totally. He's got to shoot. I think that's one criticism is uh, his passing skills have got better and better as he becomes more familiar with his line mates. Very good uh, passing on the power play. But, uh, you know, he's got 58 shots through this part of the season. That's not very good for a guy that's uh, supposed to be an offensive threat. He's been kind of hesitant to shoot at different times, and uh, that's something he's going to have to figure out because you're right, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, would they trade him in the offset? No, I'm just kidding, Mark. I know that that's, that's what happens in this instant world of when these things don't work out immediately that people start thinking that way. I do want to ask you on a serious note, though, about their goaltending, and in particular Jacob Markstrom. I know he's playing better as of late, but as well as that top line maybe not connecting or finding chemistry uh, for the first couple months of the season, he struggled with his own game. Very fair, yeah. He uh, certainly had a real uh, period where he was uh, just not doing very well and the goals against totals were ramping up. I think you saw his quote, I don't know if you did or not, but he came out after one game and said, I suck at hockey, so he was pretty hard on himself. And uh, yeah, he's uh, played much better of late, but you're right, there was a stretch there when he was not very good. I guess if there's any good to come out of that, it's allowed them to play Dan Vladar, the number two goaltender, who they signed to a two-year deal a little more. And uh, I think he stepped up to the plate pretty well. So, uh, you know, there has been some good things. But no question, he's got to pick it up and play better. And I would say of late he has. Uh, the Flames have had multiple one-goal games. In fact, they played the uh, last five consecutive one-goal games. Uh, they lead the league in the most one-goal games. So make no mistake, uh, goaltending is important to everybody, but maybe a little more important to this team based on the way they're playing. Daryl Sutter said just recently, isn't it, it's still a league of 3-2? I, I think mm-hmm. that's still accurate. Yeah. It may be trending towards more of a 4-3 game, but right now, I, if you look at the numbers and goals average and goals against average, it's still very much 3-2. Well, and that's what I meant about Markstrom. Is he back yeah. to, you know, I know he was a Vesna finalist last year, and I know it's hard to just turn it on a dime and be back to where your caliber you are. He's played better. Is he back to his play uh, consistency of last year? Or is he still getting there in your mind? Well, he's really close. I think he's really played very well of late. Uh, you know, the last few games, the game that he's played, uh, I think he's been solid. I think he's been a star contributor, even in games they haven't won. So I think he's very, very close to where he was last year uh, after that real dip in the middle there. So, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be an important part of it, and he's playing up to the level that both he expects and the team expects. So, uh, yeah, he's played uh, quite a bit uh, more like the Jacob Markstrom that uh, had all those great years in Vancouver and then had the great year last year here. Uh, Uyghur just got his first day. That's a, a big boost yeah. for him, and a, I expect the team as well. 
Well, yeah, I mean, you know, he's the other part of the trade that came over from Florida. I mean, he's not as glamorous or as high profile mm-hmm. as uh, Hubert over. Remember last year, he had 40-plus points, so he's miles behind that pace right now. Uh, you know, he's uh, got one goal, nine points total. So much, much more offensively was expected from him. And there was a time when he wasn't playing on the special team units. And, uh, you know, he's got to pick it up. And uh, we'll see if he does. Maybe that was the thing that kick-started him. But, no, he hasn't had a really strong season after 44 points in Florida. Florida last year, he's on pace for about 20. With all the sort of, I guess, struggles you've talked about out of the gate for the first couple of months with the Flames, Mark, what do you think has gone well for them? What is maybe something that I know the names that we've just mentioned, and those are the ones that stand out and people focus on, but uh, who's playing well for the Flames right now going into this game tonight? Well, a few guys that have, uh, certainly a guy that's been right there all season long. We talked about the struggles of the first line. Maybe we should be more specific. It's the struggles of the first line wingers, because I think Elias Lindholm has been tremendous. He's been very solid all season long, anchoring that line. He leads the team in points with a 34. Uh, also, another guy that's played very well defensively is Chris Tana, the guy they rely on very much. He's a guy that, whose absence was noted when he was out of the lineup there a few weeks ago, and uh, now is back on playing on a regular basis. Uh, another guy that has come up from the American Hockey League is Adam Ruzichka, big, tall forward. He's uh, played primarily at center, largely on the fourth line, but in 28 games, he's got 20 points. Michael Backlund, uh, one of the veterans of this team, maybe his stats aren't impressive, but his play has been really driving play, largely on the third line, so he's played very well, and uh, you know, I think uh, overall at times they've uh, played very well and things have all gone their way. Uh, Michael Stone, a guy with a big bomb of a shot from the point, he's played quite well. So they have enough things going well. Nikita Zadorov, big defenseman, has uh, also been a rock on defense. So those are some of the things that have gone well. And, you know, Nazim Kadri has played quite well. He's got seven power play goals, uh, largely in the second PP unit. So he's, he's played very well. So a lot of things have uh, gone well, just uh, not on a consistent enough basis. I've been doing a bit of reading, uh, Mark, over the – of course, I follow the Calgary Flames, a, a team I followed closely throughout the entire season. But there were sort of uh, discussions, of course, during that last losing skid about there being sort of uh, – sort of struggle in terms of communication between the coaching staff and the players. Um, do you think that that is an issue or maybe that's just uh, a storyline that's maybe just made, being made too much out of? Yeah, it's you know Daryl Sutter has a, a you know a very direct coaching style. Yeah. It's worked. It, it occasionally uh, rubs some people the wrong way, and uh, maybe uh, some of his comments aren't always uh, received in the manner they were intended. I don't really think it's a problem right now, but uh, you know, obviously uh, Daryl is a guy that's uh, going to be here for a long time because so the players better figure it out. Uh, I, I don't know if it's a, if it's a really a big issue, but uh, you know, when you're losing, everybody's a little bit under the microscope, and they've done done more losing than they intended to. So what do you make of this matchup tonight? What are your impressions of the Winnipeg Jets? They've got seven regulars out of the lineup too, but they've got two straight wins under Rick Bonus, who has seemed to breathe, breathe new life into this core. How do these two teams match up in your mind, Mark? Well, first of all, yeah, you're right about Rick Bonus. I would say there's a lot of similarities uh, from what I can see between him and Daryl Sutter. And uh, actually, the irony is, uh, you know, they uh, he was with Dallas uh, uh, last year, and they, they met in the playoffs. Josh Morrissey has been just amazing on defense, a Calgary guy, uh, born here and played here. Uh, I love Pierre-Luc Dubois as well, and uh, Mark Shifley is certainly responding with 23 goals. So, you know, the Jets, uh, just from the outside, I'm not there every day, but they look like there was uh, something just a little 
missing in the last couple of years. Uh, you know, this is a team that went all, not all that long ago to the Western Conference Final, and I think they've got a sound lineup. They're getting great goaltending. So, uh, yeah, they're full marks for where they are. And, uh, you know, they've got a good record. It's just Dallas is a few points ahead of them. But, uh, no, I certainly like uh, the way the Jets have played this year, and I think they'll be a tough out when the, the playoffs roll around. Yeah, uh, just before we let you go, don't have much time here, let Mark, but I just wanted to um, uh, bring you on to talk about, of course, the situation in Monday Night Football um, uh, with DeMar, um, with, the, with the Buffalo Bills, um, and the situation. I know that uh, a similar situation happened back in, 90, in 1990, uh, 1975. Tom Pate, I believe it was, with the Calgary Stampeders, and, and he passed away. Um, you know, of course, Demar Hamlin is still in critical condition, as far as we know, in in, in hospital. But of course, we we, we hope for the best. Um, but you know, this is uh, it's just a it's a tragedy. Well, it's just chilling, uh, you know, to see an ambulance on the field, whatever the circumstances were. You go back to that Tom Pate one by coincidence. I didn't go to that game. I haven't covered the team that long, and but I was driving by, and uh, <laughs> I didn't want to say that, Mark. <laughs> I was going to say, weren't you doing? You weren't doing play by play back the then, yeah, right. But in his particular case, it was I don't want to minimize it in any way. It's a horrible tragedy. It was an aneurysm. Uh, you know, at that time, he just collapsed. Could have happened, I guess, anywhere. It just happened during a game. doesn't make it any less tragic. You know, all I can say is uh, the, I hope he's getting the best medical care. He's getting the best attention because it was just chilling to watch some guy not just go to a knee, which does happen. We've all seen that in different ways, but he just collapsed and just uh, uh, went down on the field just rapidly. So I guess, you know, it's a dangerous game, and uh, we're just going to have to watch it carefully. It, it is pretty chilling, though, I can't lie. Thanks a lot, Mark. Mark Steven, uh, Hall of Fame broadcaster, voice of the Calgary Stampeders on CHQR. Uh, Mark, always a pleasure. Really appreciate you taking the time and, and popping on with us. First guest of 2023. There you go. I, I, it's already been a great year. It goes downhill from here. <laughs> wow. Well, we you know, have we to do this every January now, Mark. Every January okay. first show, you got to be on now. Thanks for this. Okay. Well, yeah, thanks, Jim and Cam. Appreciate it. Uh, 204-780-6868. Text the show, 204-780-6868. We head into the Winnipeg Jets, the game tonight, of course. We, we did a lot of talk. We're going to continue that talk. Who was on the ice for the optional skate this morning? Who was wearing what jersey? Non-contact, contact. Who could be playing today? Maybe some players will get some more time. Cole Perfetti, How Nate close? Schmidt. How close? We'll get into that after the 1230 News. We'll be right back. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. I think the first five and a half weeks when before the surgery was probably the hardest because you you didn't have a timeline um, you know you felt it getting better but it was still there and then you tried skating and and it felt fine but it felt the same as that second play, uh, game I played um, so I knew it wasn't really getting anywhere and I think just being in that in that waiting uh, time where you just have no idea what's going to happen is, is, it was mentally uh, not fun. Nick Ehlers uh, speaking to the media yesterday after being a full participant in practice, wearing his light blue uh, jersey. Text the show 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. Well, uh, is Nick Ehlers in tonight? Nate Schmidt, Cole Perfetti, Blake Wheeler, Zaku Menelainen. Well, I'll, I'll let uh, Rick Bonus uh, say this. Are those guys coming in tonight? No. 
they're not. Now, if this listen, if this was a playoff game, the three guys that weren't in red probably would play, but they've only had one practice with us yesterday. Um, this gives us a couple extra days, and it gives us an extra practice on Thursday. So we're hoping to have a few of them in the lineup for Thursday or for Friday night. So another practice on Thursday, and I wasn't expected about this when I saw that Jansen Harkins uh, was put on waivers. I expected perhaps Nate Schmidt was going to come in because he was wearing a regular jersey like everyone else. Uh, but obviously the decision was made amongst the coaching staff um, uh, to put him in. But just give him another practice on Thursday and then and then see him against Tampa on Friday. Yeah, I would assume that that's the, the protocol yeah. that's going on here. Um, Harkins on, on waivers... That comes out at 11 a.m., right? Did he clear? Or? Um, oh, no, it's... it's. Um, it, the team had not even announced it this morning when I think Elliot Friedman was the one who was uh, first reporting that. Right. Um, um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the first sign. And, that then, and then Rick Bonus confirmed it, confirmed it earlier today. Yeah. And that was the first sign. So I was like, okay, someone's coming back. Nate Schmidt was wearing a regular jersey. I mean, I'm not, it doesn't take a rocket science scientists to figure out which guy, if somebody is coming back, uh, is going to be the expectation. 23-man roster, someone's got to come up, someone's got to go down. Yeah, and I would think Isimon gets back in, so they have enough yeah. bodies with with the wavering of uh, Harkins. But I, it is a sign that people are close, and I think that, as Rick Bonus just said, by Friday they'll be back. Look, that game on Saturday, um, that's, <laughs> that is a... I, I, it's a, gu- hey, a gutsy effort, Jim Toth. Can you see, yes. can you call it a gutsy effort? Yes, I uh, I think it is a very gutsy effort, and I I don't <laughs> think I know what some fans are doing because I heard from them about how it looked. That doesn't matter how it looked. Um, no, no, no. I no. know that they played the night before. Uh, I know they gave up five penalties and didn't get a, a power play goal against, which is unbelievable. I know Leon Dreisaitl was not in the lineup. I'm not saying you have to be happy with the people that were in the lineup and, and how they played, but I, I, that is, I'm still impressed with that game, having said all that. I, at this point, and I said this last week when you were away, Cam, mm-hmm. at this point with seven guys out of the lineup, even the Vancouver game, I'm like, this is 50-50. Uh, those I were think, those are big wins, Jim. Those oh, were two they were big, huge. big wins, and they were big because of not just the lineup, but they got them from playing the system that Rick Bonus wants. Now, did they do it to a T against Edmonton? No. Did no. they give up a lot versus Edmonton? Yes, they did. But look, y- y- good teams have to find a way, and I thought Saturday's game was finding a way. I was impressed with with Thursday's win over Vancouver because mm-hmm. of the lineup, but also I know it's Vancouver and this and that. But they sort of they went down early, and then they used the system and the play that they haven't altered and 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 got that win. The Edmonton one was just you know you're hanging on for dear life, and and Connor McDavid was everywhere. To me, that win for the Winnipeg Jets is more a statement on the Edmonton Oilers that yeah. they have nothing other than Nugent Hopkins, Connor McDavid, and Leon Drysital, and they didn't have Drysital. I thought the one thing they should have done more of the Winnipeg Jets, besides maybe <laughs> try to limit some of the danger chances and all yeah. that, was they should have shot more. I had no faith in Jack Campbell in that game. And so I just, I think, it, and I had a lot of people tweet me over the weekend that any win over the next two to three weeks is a bonus yeah. because of the lineup. I do think they're a good enough team to get some wins during this. It's just, it's going to be tough. And like Rick Bonus said after the Vancouver game, our our chance of, vic- well, not our chance, but our our we have a razor thin Mm. line that we're playing with here with seven guys out of the lineup, meaning you can't go down to nothing and and get wins anymore. You can't do certain yeah. things. 
So I think that win in, in Edmonton was, I, I know that sounds weird for the way they played, but I, th- I was highly impressed with them getting two points in regulation out of that game. It, as that game went on, I felt like Edmonton is not going to find a way to win this one. And, and, I, and I'm going to say this, that was a huge goal that Kyle Connor scored there in the third period. That yeah. was absolutely massive. And he was, I mean, Brett Kulak was all over him. The, fi- the fact that he was able to find a way to tip that, that puck and then, and then pass Jack Camp, I mean, it was, it was huge. Yeah. It was an absolutely fantastic game. I don't know, I, Kulak, that's a situation where if you're a defenseman for Edmonton, like, well, I don't know what else I could have done. I took him, the shot away. You just have a, uh, an elite goal scorer in the National Hockey League is just going to find a way to, uh, to find the back of the net. But they found a way to win that game, Jim, and the ice was slanted. My goodness gracious, was the ice slanted? Um, I, I don't think I don't think it's outlandish for me to say that if Leon Drysaddle was in that game, I don't think the Jets are going to be able to kill off five penalties like they did. But that is a lethal penalty. That that's a lethal power play that they went up against, and there's still weapons on it. There's still guys who can score. I mean, for goodness' sake, Connor McDavid's on there. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is playing the best that maybe he's ever played yeah. on the National Hockey League here. So five um, defensemen played over 20 minutes. Hainala was the only one that didn't play 20 minutes. Like that speaks to the game of they're just rolling lines and they're trying to just survive. What do you think and- about about Dylan Sandberg? He's made some pretty glaring mistakes. Over the last little bit, as his workload has gotten bigger with some injuries and stuff like that. Well, here's what but I he's think. always found a way for me. He's been able to bounce back. And, well, here, and that's, that's an important it. thing because it's still going to be a learning curve for him, Jim. That's it. The, the, we talked about this with Kelly on Friday. Um, Sandberg, it wasn't so much the turnover up the middle that resulted in a goal a minute into the game on yeah. Thursday. It was he then had two good shifts, two or three. And then he had another bad turnover at the blue line that resulted in a two-on-one, and yeah. it, it didn't hurt him. He didn't get scored on, but it was a bad turnover. And I thought then, after the the first shift and then two good ones and then that one, I thought, well, this would be the time, if I'm Rick Bonus that I go, okay, kid, like you're not going to see a lot of ice time. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. And then the second and third period, Sandberg played great. And I think he was the second-best analytical defenseman in that game despite those two bad plays. So that's how I feel about him. He's going to make mistakes, mm. and I'm I'm granted, you don't have to call into the show right now, that first one, 54 seconds in, is that one bad. that you yeah. don't, you don't, even if you get away with that pass, you're sat down and told, don't ever do that again. <laughs> yeah. That pass could have ended up in a Jets breakaway and in the other net, and they would say, do not make that pass ever again. Mm-hmm. So, but the fact that he bounces back and plays well, that's where I am with him. The mistakes will get less and less as egregious as those were, mm-hmm. and then he'll play better and better. And I thought the Thursday game against um, Vancouver was Hainala's best game. Uh, we talked about that on Friday as well. And then, you know, so-so on Saturday against Edmonton. But, look, they only generated – they gave up 32 shots in that game. They only generated 17 on Jack Campbell. It just – it was what it was. Um, and that's what happens. Like It's not like Pionk beat – scored a clean goal no found a rebound back and forth between the five to me it was don't let mcdavid hurt us and if somebody else does do you think that the jets have confidence against mcdavid that perhaps maybe other teams don't i think because of because of the sweep in the playoffs and the core guys that are still around they know that they can handle him because how well they handled him in that in that playoff series i think they have confidence playing him but the confidence is let's limit the damage and they just they stick to what they need to do against them but let's be honest. I know he didn't get a point in that game, but he could have had seven. He's fantastic. So he was all over the ice. He, I mean, again, how many? There was who was it? Um, that cross. He was behind the net, 
and then came out and put that backhand pass right on the tape, and there was, was no amazing, finish there. Like, <laughs> I just here's the thing: I don't like this conversation. I've never been on board with it. Okay, but I'm at the point what watching, conversation, watching the Toth? game on Saturday. This one. Okay, how long till Connor McDavid says that's enough? Because he, the first, I was, this conversation came up like four or five see, years Jim, that ago. See, like, that popped into my head during that game too. That's what I, that's what I was it thinking. It did, it just popped in my head in the third period. I'm like. I've taken a pay cut. Yeah. And he doesn't think this way, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But he's taken a pay cut to stay there. He's taken a pay cut to help get some players around him. The people I talked to around Edmonton, he he doesn't even think of leaving Edmonton. But he constantly thinks about winning. Yeah. And he wants to do it in Edmonton. He wants to follow that Gretzky Messier lore of let's win a cup here in Edmonton. Yeah. But I'm watch and I know Kane was out of the lineup and Dry Settle was. Mm-hmm. But I'm watching that game and the fifth The, the Jets are missing a lot of guys too, though, Jim. The I mean, fourteen that's the- million dollars they have wrapped up in Darnell Nurse and Jack Campbell, which will handcuff this team that was slowly getting out from being handcuffed under the cap. And they threw that $5 million at Jack Campbell when Stuart Skinner is clearly your starting goaltender. So now you're going to pay him for four more years to back up. And then Skinner's going to need a deal within that five years. And $9 million for Darnell Nurse. Darnell Nurse is no better than Josh Morrissey. And what I mean by that is he should be making $6 million per year. That was such a That's it was a eight. desperation move for the Oilers. They, they thought they were going to lose him, and they said they, they they sat in the brass and they said, "If we lose Darnell Nurse, we're we're, we're finished in the blue line." And you know what? Then Jim, lose him if is, it's is, nine million dollars. <sighs> then lose him, and we'll find two other D men at four and a half to five mil. Like, but I that, know that, Mc... I'm just saying that was the mindset within I know this the organization. Is a Jets show, but that's what I that's well, what no, I don't want to get into this. But no, but we're Connor talking McDavid, about the Jets game. Connor McDavid and Darnell Nurse are tight. So he yeah. might have, I don't know if he would have said, I, we need to keep Darnell. But I'm just watching that game on, on and I know, okay, so Dreisaitl's yeah, back in the lineup and Kane comes back in. And they win that game 3-2, whatever. I'm just like, how much longer is he? He fed wide open guys right and left on Saturday night and no one could finish. See, that thought popped into my head too, Jim. And I'm, and I'm looking at the Edmonton Oilers and I'm looking at that team and I'm saying, where are they going? This is supposed to be all these moves made, bringing Jack Campbell and all the contracts, all the stuff, Zach Hyman. This team was supposed to be ready already. This was this was a team that was supposed to, oh, all they need is a little bit of sprinkling here. They need a one defenseman here. They need Zach Hyman, another guy that could play with Connor McDavid. That's what these moves were all done to yeah. do. You take to, to, Hyman's to, to, money, you take oh, part of Nurse's money, and you take Campbell's money, Jack and Campbell you go comes get three in, defensemen. Jack Campbell comes in, and this is the final piece to the puzzle, the final little bit of goaltending that they need to take them over the edge. No, it wasn't. So uh, it wasn't, Jim. So so, And I look at Ed, and that's why that thought pops in my head, and I'm saying, where are the Oilers going? Is this a team that's like, you can see you can, you can see the New Jersey Devils, and you can look and say, okay, I see where this this team is Detroit. headed. Detroit. Detroit. You see where this team is headed. You're seeing little sprinklings. Buffalo. Of, yes. You don't see that with Edmonton. And the thing is, Jim, they're not good enough. The day they're they not locked, good enough. The day they locked up McDavid was the day they should have said the next day, this is going to take a while. We're going to rebuild it. They should have steamrolled over the Jets in that game. They, they were they right would, for the picking. They would be kind of like Detroit, kind of like Buffalo two years ago today. That's where they would be. They'd be in a, So they yeah. wouldn't have gone to the Western Conference Final yeah. last year. 
but they would be going to a ton of Western Conference finals in three to four yeah. years from now. That, that Would you have been surprised if Edmonton beat, beat the Winnipeg Jets in that game 4-1 or 5-1 or something? 5-2. Would that have been a surprising it, result? I, you wake up on New Year's Day and that's the score of that game. People might disagree, but if, if the Jets are fully loaded with no injuries in that game, they pound that team 7-1, 7-2. Jack Campbell does not keep that power play off the board. Jack yeah. Campbell does not keep the depth of Adam Lowry being back on the third line and fully loaded top six with Ehlers and Wheeler and yeah. Perfetti. It just so that's what I took from the game. I just I'm watching this. I'm watching his brilliance. I'm watching Connor McDavid make play after play that nobody can finish. And I'm like, how many more? And is he sitting there going, well, if Leon and Kane get back, or is he sitting there going? Because even with those, that's your top six, and you have yeah, nothing I, I, in the I bottom. I understand. I understand that those you are have important. no defense. But you can't say the Jets like are not missing guys. That's what I mean. Like I, I'm saying. That yeah, I know. I, I know. I know. But it's that's like, what I took from the game. I'm like, if how long is McDavid going to go? Okay, because now we're out for the next four years. Like, okay, so Darnell Nurse is a six to seven million dollar guy. So take two and a half from him, his nine point two, and take Campbell's five million. Do you know how you could round out that roster with $9 million this offseason or last offseason? They wouldn't have used the money properly. They haven't since. But it's Ken Holland. What is he doing? <laughs> I don't know. There's like something in the It's because like something there has the to be some internal there. pressure that goes, we've got these two guys. Make it work this it's, year. It's a constant. There's been good coaches that have gone through Edmonton and not been able to figure it out. By the way. There's something going on with that team. And it's like, yeah, okay, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and those guys, they can will – this team into the playoffs and maybe a, a top spot in the Pacific, a top two spot in the Pacific. It's it's not a surprise. It's yeah. not something outlandish. And they can upset Calgary if Calgary's goaltender doesn't play well. Wow, Calgary was a better team last year. Yeah, that's what I mean. So they can upset Calgary yeah. if their goaltender doesn't play exactly. well. Exactly. They, they can, can go to the next round and, and beat a team, but they're not going to get past Colorado. No. You know how much money I could have made in Alberta <laughs> last year when I was home in May? <laughs> And people were going, they're going to, once they beat Calgary, people no. were, I'm like, I'm there telling you no right now, I'm telling you series. right now, Colorado will, if they don't sweep this Oiler team, and they hadn't even met in the, con, it was like the round two. Yeah. And I said, I'm telling you right now, Colorado will not only sweep that team, but five at the most. Yeah. This texter says, we're talking about Dylan Sandberg beforehand. We'll take a break here, but we'll head into uh, a break with some of your guys' text messages. This texter says, uh, doesn't Sandberg lead the Jets in block shots? He's been a block shots machine. Yeah. We saw that on display at the end of that game, particularly in the third period against the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Carl says, Oilers have offense, no D, no goaltending, and no defensive forwards from Carl M. That's a good point. Uh, Lorene says, Jets need big beef to make the playoffs, period. Uh, well, to make the playoffs. So they're, they're heading to the playoffs, I think so. And this final text, this is from Alex. Ken Holland was a good GM when there was no salary cap. Detroit bought all those cups. Let's take a break. We'll come back. You got Dylan 10 Harkins, seconds, Jim. Uh, Scott Billick just texted me. He's listening to the show. Thanks, Scotty. But he said uh, we'll find out about Harkins in about 25 minutes. One o'clock. That was, we're going to yeah, find out at one o'clock. That's right. Uh, what's, the sto- what's the lineup looking like? I mean, we know Perfetti's not coming back. We know Schmidt's not coming back. We know Ehlers isn't coming back, at least for this game tonight against the Calgary Flames. Five o'clock pregame show, puck drop at seven. But what are the lineups looking like? Is there any changes? We'll let you know after this. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Pregame show starts at five o'clock, seven o'clock puck drop. Winnipeg Jets, Calgary Flames, Canada Life Center. DT, Derek Taylor. Um... Jumping in for Kelly Moore. Out of the bullpen. Give us the righty. That's right. 
What's his uh, What's his intro music going to be like? Like Hope, the, when he walks out from from the bullpen in the back. Hopefully, it's God's going to strike you down by Johnny Cash. <laughs> Uh, Marion, uh, I mean, uh, Rivera it's, came it's in with... It's uh, probably something boys to men. It's probably like, oh, I yeah. swear. Oh, that's a good one. So 5 o'clock, the news, and then, I swear, by the, the moon, moon and the whatever I'm the not line gonna do is. That. I could sing that song, but I won't do it for you. I'm sorry. Uh, lineup tonight. Uh, just actually got this email from DT. Doesn't sound like any lineup changes here. So it's looking like Connor Dubois uh, Reichel. Uh, Lowry, Shifley, Kuhlman, Baron, Stenland, AJF, uh, Axel Janssen, Fialbi, now just known as AJF uh, to everybody and everybody AJF. that knows him and is very close to him, like me, personal great friendship with him. Uh, Michael Asamont, uh, David Gustafson, Sam Gagne on the fourth line, um, Capo Bianco, DeMello, uh, Sandberg, Pionk, Dylan Hainala um, is going to make up uh, the blue line, and uh, Connor Hellebuck is going to be starting in that here. And we're going to wait and see. You know, Jacob Markstrom for the Flames. There you go. Dan Vladar uh, not starting tonight. Jacob, which is a battle of two. One won a Vesna, one was up for it last year. The other one won it two years ago. That's right. That's right. Jim Toth will take you all the way till 3 o'clock. Thank you very much, Jeffrey Forche, for producing the show. Fantastic job, as always. Thank you very much to Mark Steven, as well, for joining us. You can listen to the podcast. You miss any segment of the show. Just catch us on the podcast. You can find it on Apple. You can find it on Spotify. Uh, all that good stuff. Hey, thanks so for listening, everybody. Take care. See ya. Chats at noon on 680 CJOB. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms. <laughs>